Hello, and welcome to episode 78 of the Book Wars Pod. I'm Kate, and I'm here with Chris and Miranda, and we are discussing uh, the last, the second half of Light Princess of Alderaan by Claudia Gray, chapters 15 through the end, aka the part that made me want to lie on the floor and just die a little bit because it's Claudia Gray, and inevitably she makes me feel like that <laughs> yeah like honestly like fuck claudia gray like <laughs> like, like not, not not in a even, rude way yeah. but just in a like how dare you make me feel like this way <laughs> not in a rude how way. dare you <laughs> oh, oh god i'm already not excited and by not excited i mean extremely excited for master and apprentice because i can't even think of how that would destroy me because like i don't know i feel like Does, if- doesn't seem like a very destructive topic and yet I feel like if this destroyed you, then that's probably just gonna leave you, like, crying on the floor in the rain. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Correct. Also, like, I don't know. I feel like, I know you, like, you're, like, Chris, I know you're, like, down with OBT, but you don't really care about it. I feel like this is the book that's gonna make you, like, care about it. <laughs> so, we'll see how Yeah, we goes. gotta see how OBT's gonna fit in, because Mandalore was not in the blurb. It was not, but... It's not in the, uh, the the front flap matter. But you... I don't know, man. It's Claudia Gray. You know you know Satine's in there. It's... I mean, she better be. I mean, or... I don't... I don't know what's gonna make me more, like, just, like, flat-out upset. Like, Satine... <laughs> if she is or if she isn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh... I've got, like, existential anxiety about it, but, you know, that's fine and normal for me to have. Um... Speaking about existential anxiety, uh, what are you drinking, Randa? <laughs> okay, that's that's quite the transition. Uh, I'm so good at that. <laughs> wait, what's the, what was the fucking thing? Speaking of gay or speaking of queer? Speaking of queer, yes. yes. Speaking uh, of it's queer, been too long. Uh, I am drinking a Mohazic IPA from Migration Brewing here in Portland. It is a hazy IPA. It is tropical and delicious sounds Ooh. sounds queer sounds and queer. i it is queer and i did not spit <laughs> on myself this time so already hey. better than last week <laughs> so proud of you i listened to last week's episode and the amount that i told chris to like go fuck himself was pretty astronomical like even more so than usual and um i'm not saying i'm sorry because i'm not but also that was a lot it's fine um i am currently drinking I have some tea, which is chocolate hazelnut tea from Stash, which is also apparently from your neck of the woods, Miranda, um, which is delicious. But because I am in the middle of um, grad school decision deciding releasing season, and I have heard nothing so far as of February 12th, um, I am also drinking. I am doing a lot of bottles to face on wine and... Right now I have some crap that my friend gave me because I went to go eat a whole lot of noodles at her house for Chinese New Year's last week. It is, I don't even know, how would you say this? Chris, how how would you say this? Where do we think it's from? It is from, I think I looked, it's it's from Argentina. Um, probably Maipei then. Okay, 
It's that. It is Malbec. 2017. Right? So I'm probably gonna kill this bottle <laughs> during the show. Hey it's gonna it's gonna be great while we discuss death and dying. Hooray. Chris. <laughs> oh boy. Oh lord. <laughs> it is Tuesday night and I'm in a weird mood. It's good. Dear it's, dear it's everyone fine. who's listening, go back in time and pray for me. <laughs> Dude, li- li- listen, listen. I'm like I'm trying not to be that person who looks at Greg Cafe every five minutes, but I'm definitely that person who looks at Greg Cafe every five minutes. And I didn't apply to Syracuse, but there was like a whole raft of Syracuse rejections that came in today. It's like the entire first page of the creative writing records on Greg Cafe is just Syracuse rejected. Cool, cool, cool. What are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking tequila again. I'm drinking a different tequila, the second bottle, uh, which we brought back from Mexico when we went last month. Last month? Yes, it is February. Um, this month has lasted 10 years. It's fine. Yeah, Wait, it really were you has. drinking tequila last week too? Did I just I was drinking that? tequila last week. Last week I was drinking a Blanco. Oh, uh, I was not paying attention. And, well, you're filling <laughs> in admirably for Keeks, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> Uh, and this week I'm drinking an extra añejo. So I'm drinking, uh, it is from uh, Arete Distillery. It is uh, an extra añejo, which for those who don't know much about tequila, means that it has been aged Even for, more añejo. <laughs> it, it is even more añejo. So basically, Blanco, which is clear tequila, has not been aged. And it is like probably the sharpest, but also like probably the most complex in terms of flavors, because, like, they have the most control over how, what it tastes like, because it hasn't been aged, and it just just tastes like what they put in it. I don't I necessarily know if it tastes more complex, but I think it tastes probably more like what the ingredients taste like. Yeah. Um, and then there's Reposado, which is what most people are used to, which is, you know, your yellowish stuff. Generally gets goes in margaritas. <laughs> Delicious. As do, as do Blancos. And then in Yejos, uh, Reposados have been aged for... Uh, zero to 12 months uh, in bourbon barrels, specifically bourbon barrels. We learned a lot about tequila. Um, and then Añejos have been aged uh, one to three years in whiskey barrels, but not bourbon barrels. So like malt whiskey barrels, I guess, or I would assume. Um, and extra Añejo means that it has been aged even longer. So this one has been aged four years. It is a nice brown color. Honestly, could be a whiskey. Maybe a rum. It's a little red to be a whiskey, but, uh, so it's, and it tastes like really sweet. Like it tastes like a dessert liqueur and I accidentally poured myself. That's at least a double. Yeah. I was going to say that's accidentally. I. Chris, Chris has trouble eyeballing things when he pours. And so he'll just like put too much in. He does this with wine. As we can see, he does this with tequila. He does this frequently. (laughs) Yeah. Like that, like. That right there is like the scotch of tequila. It's like it's sweet, it's smoky. Uh, I'm 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 very quickly getting very into tequila, and thinking- it makes me sad that we live in Virginia because I can't get any good fucking tequila here because right. we don't even have any good liquor stores because it's all owned by the fucking state. Still Yay. bitter, still bitter. ABC. I mean, you can go to a liquor store in DC and probably get something. I know I would have to, which you know I can, I I will, I'm sure. It's like effort though. I'm gonna need to go into DC <laughs> to get some bourbon soon. Anyway, do you cause... do you still work in DC or are you in Virginia? No, my new job is in Virginia, so I can't mm, even go to the liquor yeah. store that's near my old office. Although, no, that's a lie. I can't. I still go in there, go into there occasionally. 
go shoot the shit with your old co-workers and yeah and find out about what a train wreck is happening hush (laughs) um i will did i say that whoops oh my god that was your out loud voice yeah (laughs) (laughs) um basically uh what chris is rambling about tequila is telling you is that if you are into scotch or whiskey at all you could definitely get into tequila because good tequila is kind of a similar process it is fascinating go google that shit yeah absolutely basically like what you you know when you learn in college that like rum and tequila are like shitty and nobody actually enjoys them and you just drink them to get drunk not actually the case they're actually great and you they're better rums and tequilas exist and you should find them because they're great that's what i'm like retraining my brain for right now whenever i see rum drinks on the menu i like still like yeah, like on a cocktail menu, I still like gag internally a little bit because like just <laughs> great. bad experiences. <laughs> That's great. But like now, but then I remember like, oh, I drink rum now and it's great. And then I order them and it's great. Yeah. No, there is exactly one rum drink that I will ever order out and it is at a very specific place. So like, nice. Otherwise, it's a no go from me. I respect that. It's I mean, it's not like a classy shit, but it's. You know what? That is okay. It's because Americans are like rude about their liquor and they're just like, this was made by black and brown people. (laughs) We don't need to get the good shit. Nobody even cares. Which is dumb because rum is dirt cheap. Like we have some really nice rum that we got for 30 bucks, which, you know, it's more than the $15 you're going to pay for a bottle of Bacardi, but like a good (laughs) bottle of whiskey is $70 easy. Right. So you can get decent whiskeys for like 35 Nothing, yeah, but this is like good fancy, rum. but um, this is like good like sipping rum. Yeah, it's kind of the price point is kind of absurd. But anyway, alcohol pod. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I like if I knew like just a little bit more, I would totally like hit up Danny and be like, I want to talk about liquor on your on Encyclopedia. You should just Which you should listen. Y'all should listen to Encyclopedia. I rarely promote other pods on the pod, but, but it's really good and you know, interesting. We'll make an exception for Danny, who is both a lovely person, the caretaker of Dribbles, official, official turtle, turtle of the pod, pod. yes, and um, <laughs> the, this this poor man has been waiting us for for us to read Empire's End for like his entire life. That's and true. He's we going owe, to die soon. We owe him a little bit. <laughs> he's going to die soon. <laughs> like it's terminal and it's not okay. <laughs> it's the next book reading. Hang in there, Danny. Anyway, um, in order to hasten our reading of Empire's End, we, we should talk about this book first. So, um, uh, do, do we want to talk about really cheerful things that uh, are related to the second half of this book, such as, um, Death you know, and dying and losing in space? <sighs> yes! Yeah. Yay! All right, Chris, I think this is your... Yeah, I can, I can, I can start this off. All so, right. for me, like, part of what makes Claudia Gray such a great author is that you can very much tell that she has a mission that she, like she has something that she's trying to accomplish when she writes books, right? Like, I mean, I should hope every author has. Yeah. But for some, it's more evident than others. And for some, it's more story-based. Like they want to tell a story like Claudia Gray wants to tell a story, but Claudia Gray also like, what, like she has a reason that she's writing. She's got a thesis. She, yeah, exactly. No, exactly. Thank you. She has a thesis. Like, Mm -hmm. and in Bloodline, it was very much, about like explaining and demystifying the politics of the new republic Mm -hmm. and in lost stars it was a traditional you know star crossed 
lovers situation uh-huh. in like in Star Wars. <laughs> Thanks, and, Miranda. <laughs> and to me, this book is all about morality. And it's all about the morality of oppression and rebellion and finding joy and how to balance all of that. Right. I mean, and again, it's like the journey to figuring out what all that means for yourself because characters definitely come up with different versions of how they view that. With, with somewhat disastrous results, as ah, it would appear. Ha, ha, ha. Especially between Kier and Leia, because... Oh, God. <laughs> I guess the first thing, like, to talk about, about oh, like, having to do with this is just, like... Um, obviously, we're siding with Leia in the Leia versus Kier debate, which is... Uh, do you... Do, like, do what you can for the entire galaxy and know that that is also going to benefit Alderaan or do you, or is it Alderaan first and you protect your home first which is honestly like it's an argument that we've seen time and time again in Star Wars like it's it's the debate between Herring Champs and Dula in Rebels that's why she leaves home it's because she thinks he only cares about Ryloth and she wants to do something for the larger galaxy in addition to Ryloth or I mean you could even extend that to like Lando in Empire Strikes Back, he makes a deal with the Empire because he's he's looking out for the people of Bespin. Um, but, although, like, ob- obviously we're siding with Leia, and ultimately, like, Star Wars always kind of leans towards, it's always about the greater, greater good, as opposed to, like, your local greater good. I don't mm-hmm. fucking know. Um, like, Kira's, like, opinion i feel like is also understandable and sympathetic which i think makes it really hard for us as readers and also for leia obviously when he dies at the end it's just like oh you are going to give up the whole entire rebellion <laughs> for patriotism and then it's like it gets weird yeah i mean it's with Kier, it's rough right because like and bale kind of alludes to this at the end when he's like you know we can't say that he was fully wrong because like mm-hmm. it's not even like Kier is being fully selfish. I mean, you could make an argument that he is, but you could also right, make an I argument mean, that he's not because his whole thing is that Alderaan has to be protected in order for the galaxy to have a safe place. Right. And it's also like Leia just kind of states this argument at one point during a discussion with her parents because you know she's heard Kier say it so many times and Bale explodes like we raised you better than this how dare you say that like you can't like we didn't um teach you to be this selfish and he just like walks out of the room and Leia's like what the fuck was that and Brea's like what that was was you just said what he was thinking six months ago like that was the when you're a kid and your mom has to tell you your father's under a lot of pressure at work (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'll fucking say. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of like a, you know, do the the ends justify the means situation. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, Kier doesn't want the galaxy to be oppressed by the Empire. He wants, you know, good things. He wants them to all be free and to not have to worry about getting dead because, you know, the Empire comes in and fucks shit up. But he's like, we need this first you know, somewhat selfishly for his world, but, like, he has a plan, or an idea of a plan, because he's, like, 16. (laughs) Yes. And everyone else is like, okay, but what if we just, like, saved everyone instead? Right. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and he, like, even from the jump is... As soon as he finds out what the Organas are doing, he's very not comfortable with it. He was, like, he's, like, actively pissed. Yeah. Like, he, like he was, like, looking at Bale at one point during this book with, like, pretty much, like, hatred. It was, like, really extreme. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like, teenagers have a lot of feelings. <laughs> I feel like he was just, like, sulking. And, like, I don't know if it's because he was so invested in his own vision of how to best protect the galaxy by making sure the Alderaan is safe, or if he's just like, you're gonna kill us all. I don't know anything about the situation, but I'm pretty sure you're gonna get us dead. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's both, honestly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's also it's not hard. wrong, so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we I mean, we can talk about that, too. Like, Chris, when your topic's on here is like, how do we use privilege, but then also how does that kind of turn back on us? Or at least on Alderaan. Yeah. No, and... Ha <laughs> well, Yeah, exactly. And like, it's, it's hard because like we've talked before about how like all of Star Wars is kind of like, it is, ha ha ha, it's all from a certain point of view. Like it depends on who the teller is. And this book is from Leia's perspective. And we don't have it from Kier's perspective. So we only know his heroic motives that Leia sees through her, you know, rose tinted glasses. Mm-hmm. Like he could be, you know, having very fair and typical teenage thoughts of, hey, you know this planet that I really fucking love? You're putting it in danger. Stop that. Right. I mean, he's kind of like Nash in that sense. Like, he just fucking... These boys just fucking love Alderaan so much. Yeah, that's an interesting comparison. That's a really interesting comparison. Yep. It's just like, what are you... What terrible things are you willing to do? Like... Are you or are you willing to go through like between like when your loyalty is divided? Man, I can totally see Kier turning into Nash if he'd gone to the academy. Oh yeah, because wow. the, because Nash went crazy because his brain blamed the rebels mm-hmm. for Alderaan. Right, it, it never blamed the Empire. Right, and like because he couldn't. Yeah, or and he would have actually died. Yes, and like Kier hates the Empire, so he like wouldn't have gone that far. But like he's halfway from, there. Yeah, like you can see how he would blame the rebels. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean he, I mean he wants to turn them in because he, or, I mean he already like blames them and like Alderaan hasn't even been fucking blown up yet. Yeah, like he blames them for putting Alderaan even in a whiff of danger. Mm-hmm. So. I think it'd be really interesting to see like what would have happened if he hadn't died before Alderaan got blown up. Yes, and if he could, like, I'd want to just see him interact with Leia and be like, so remember that thing I told you where, like, I wanted to protect Alderaan and you were like, no, we don't need to do that? Mm-hmm. Look what fucking happened. Yeah. And it's, it's in, like, that's the beauty of this book, is that, like, everyone is right and no one is right. I mean, that's the beauty of Claudia Gray, period. I mean, exactly, it's, yeah. Claudia Gray does not write. In black and white. Ha ha ha. I'll show myself out. Goodbye. Uh, everyone. <laughs> uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take pork chop and go. Goodbye. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Alright, so let's let's talk about Joy. Because, you know, we've talked about how Kier sees it. And his whole thing is... What is it? What's the revised version? Joy drives out fear. Um, Nazis what? Not... <laughs> strength through joy, but not, not, not like Nazis. Not like Nazis, um, Yes. <laughs> But not Nazi-like, yes. Yes. And, and so his thing is that, like, joy is important and it is in and of itself a moral imperative. 
in times of crisis. Mm-hmm. Like his thing is that Alderaan's duty is to remain a joyful place so that it can remain, you know, a beacon. Right. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's something to that, right? Because I mean, this book is really relatable, I feel like right now and like it kind of hits home for a lot of reasons, um but I think one of them is what is currently going on politically in our godforsaken country right now. Um <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Uh you know, and, and like people are always saying, you know, it's 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 hard to like remain active, like you know, just like fighting fucking fascism and like all of its like many hydra heads of terribleness and it's easy to get burnt out but and people feel guilty for you know taking time to like take care of themselves or you know to have fun or anything like that but also you know the thing that people have to remember is that if you are not living life or you know having you know taking like just taking this time to you know be a whole person like evil has already won mm-hmm. yeah like is joy an act of rebellion yep like that exactly. is the whole question here and mm-hmm. i feel like everybody in this book who is relevant to it is saying yes yeah yeah definitely and i think that's something that again we've seen before in star wars um in from a certain point of view i think it's ek johnson's story with uh ashley Eckstein talking about uh, Caden Larte, who was mm-hmm. a character in Ahsoka, and she's going to the medal ceremony on Yavin, and she's like, this is really fucking pointless, and we all know it, but also we need to be happy about something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I, I think it's like, you know, when you're talking about, you know, about joy being an act of rebellion, the whole point of the fucking Empire is to, like, make you feel shitty. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, yeah. They're, they're trying to rule your lives in terrible ways, and you know, and they enslave people, they kill planets and, you know, entire species and shit. And it's like, you know what? No, I'm not going to let you fucking do this to me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to live my life. And I'm going to, like, find a way to make myself enjoy something. It doesn't right. have to be something big, but, like, something just to say fuck you. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. But then on the other, well, not on the other hand, but, like, on a different point of the spectrum we have holdo who she is obviously very pro joy she's you know kind of spacey um her her version of joy is a little (laughs) (laughs) space her version of joy is a little bit different like facing mortal peril kind of fun for her but Her, her joy is like kier's joy is almost like joy because that is rebellion like Holdo's joy is like, in addition to just, she just finds joy in a lot of things naturally. Hers is almost like joy through rebellion. Like she almost takes joy in the act of like espionage. Well, because she's kind of nuts, but like through in the act of espionage and in the act of like all of these, like all of the mortal peril, like how she's so excited to like ponder, what is it? Like ponder morality by like risking her life climbing mountains. Yes. Or like that she says when Leia first meets her. (laughs) It's exactly it. And you see that also in The Last Jedi. She's like one of those people who just thrives in situations where everything is horrible. Yeah, she does. Um, Like, and, you know, I, I, I think of that when that line when she's talking talking to Leia and she was like, where, um, you know, Poe's knocked out and they're trying to, like, get his fucking stretcher on the transport. And she's just like, 
this kid is so fucking annoying. I like him a lot, and I'm just like, that's Haldo, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting, because joy is honestly not something we get a lot of in Star Wars, to be perfectly honest. I know. We've got, like, Ewok parties. and Yeah. Han and Leia making out, and that's like it. <laughs> like, we have, we have relief. We have, yeah. like, the release of emotion, but, like, actual joy is not something that we get a lot of. I know. And so it's, like, it's just interesting to see, like, these multiple perspectives on it. Whereas, like, Leia, like, kind of feels guilty about joy because she was, you know, it's Leia. Like, she's amazing, but, like, young Leia kind of had a stick up her ass at certain points. <laughs> wow, great, awesome, cool. I mean, it's it's that, but also it's, like, joy feels, like... And I think it's true of her, even in her older age, Joy still kind of feels frivolous to her. Like, she's like, I could be getting shit done because I am a person who was, like, raised to get shit done. And it is ingrained in me, like, it's, like, just, like, part of my genetics that I want to get shit done. Mm -hmm. Why do I need to, you know, be over here doing fucking acro yoga and crap? Yeah, I feel like Leia's kind of, like, Joy in a job well done kind of like i feel like leia and holdo and we'll talk about this a little later in the pod their relationship but i feel like they really rubbed off on each other mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. obviously this was written you know it came out before last jedi but it was written after the movie was filmed and she didn't have a ton to work with because that's just how it works but like you kind of do see that they rubbed off on each other because like leia's like you know, like I said, joy of a job well done. Like her, like kind of utilitarianism, is rubs off on Holdo's. She's very type like, A. I relate to it yeah, very hard. <laughs> rubs off on Holdo's like complete type Bness, and like, mm -hmm. like, it seems fun to like stow away on this ship for no reason. Like, did you get in trouble with your parents? Oh no, I just told them I was stowing away for fun. They believed me. <laughs> like, god damn it. Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, no, having having a friend like Leia and also witnessing death and destruction for the first time in your young life will kind of do that to you. Yeah. But, yes. Yeah, nobody is traumatized in Star Wars. It's mm -mm. fine. Yeah, no, it's totally cool. Man, Kier's ship got hit by, you know, all that debris and crap, and I was just like, ah, oh, fuck. And then she goes in, and she's like, why is it damp? Oh, great, this is blood. And I was just like, cool, cool, cool. Guess I'll just start screaming in the middle of my apartment at three in the morning because that's when I was reading it. Gotta love how, even at a young age, mom crisis face is well-developed. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's uh. Um, this is not, this is a little bit more of an aside, but one of the things I always appreciate about Claudia Gray is that she gives Leia space to have feelings. Um, I think one of the things that we've, that has been in the hashtag discourse lately is how um, characters don't really have a lot of room to process their trauma or their grief or whatever the fuck. And Claudia Gray always, like, she gives she gives Leia the space to kind of reckon with the fact that Vader is her father in Bloodline and here she, she kind of gets to um, grapple with the fact that, like, this is, like, probably the first person she, who she's ever been close with in her life ever who has died and he died in such a horrible way and trying to do a thing that would have ended in her getting dead. And, like, she, you know, Claudia, Claudia, Claudia Gray lets her, like, you know, 
just like lie in bed and be depressed and not get up for a week and not eat anything and just like cry to her mom and stuff like that. And I was like, it was just kind of refreshing. Like it was a good thing to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. That's also a lot for Leia at this oh, age. Oh God. Yeah. Like that's a lot for anybody, but you know, she's never had friends before. Like we discussed last time. So the only other yeah. people she's close to are her parents and she meets one person. It's like, oh, I like him. I'll, like, attach myself to him. And then he dies. And it's like, oh, these are new feelings. Yep. Yeah. He not only dies, but she has to, like, haul his broken body back to his parents and then deal with them being, like, the first time she meets them, apparently, is at his goddamn funeral. Yeah. And they had to lie to them about how he died. I know, which is, oh, that's horrible. Yeah. I'm sad, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess vaguely related to that, not really related to that, because that was kind of an aside, uh, that I just wanted to point out, but, um, so, Leia kind of, like, follows her parents in, like, this journey from, ooh, rebellion, that's a good idea, to, oh, but what does it actually mean? Oh, people are gonna die, but also we need to actually have armed combat otherwise like Mm -hmm. nothing is actually going to change and so just i guess wanting to chart kind of her changing ideas about like war and violence and what rebellion looks like for her um which i think we can probably compare actually to Jin in rebel rising um by beth by beth revis because Jin has like you know, Saw's, in that book, Saw trains her from a young age to be prepared to, like, seriously, like, literally murder Imperials, but it's not until she is, oh my gosh, I can't remember the name of that planet where she's on, where she, um, is part of that, of her first, basically, like, partisan, like, terrorist Oh, game. like, Japan planet? Yes. <laughs> I don't remember what it's called. I don't but remember what it's, it's called. It's the one with all the cherry blossoms yeah. where they, like, basically, like, massacre future future shrapnel bombed yeah the entire fucking ball yeah exactly um so that's kind of the point where Jin grows disillusioned like this is not a great way to do things because murder is murder of innocence is bad collateral damage is bad so where does Leia fit in I mean the Organas are all suitably uh not thrilled with Saw Gerrera, um, much like the rest of the Rebellion's everybody? leadership. Yeah, I know. Everybody. Um, so, like, I, you know, I think they would have <laughs> somewhat of a kinship there. Um, I think Leia would have hated, particularly older Jin. Leia would have hated her. <laughs> like, right up until the third act of Rogue One, Leia would have hated her. Well, yeah, well, she, she, I don't think she was, like, has it in her well, we know she doesn't, because, like, she doesn't have it in her mind to understand somebody being so fucking apathetic. Like, at the end of A New Hope, for, for about five minutes, Han fucks off, and she's just like, well, guess, bye! Yeah. Like, I hope you choke on, yeah. like... <laughs> cool. I've spent five minutes thinking about you. That was already too much. I know, like, hope you, like, choke on a rusty Hygros banner. Have a good day. <laughs> Can you imagine somebody saying, I've never had the luxury of political opinions to Leia? Oh, no. Oh, shit. That's she would have backhanded that woman. Oh, fuck. 
Yeah, I think that's really interesting, though, because, like, they're obviously both very involved with the rebellion. I did not read that book, but, like, Jin, you know. Shame bell for steals you. Steals the fucking <laughs> plans to the Death Star, you know, ten mm-hmm. minutes after being like, just don't look up. You can't see the Empire's flag. I know. Mm-hmm. And it's and lit. It, yeah. And there's a direct line between them, too, because, like, she's handing off the fucking, basically handing off the plans to, to Leia, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, they have very different styles, too, because, like, Jin is kind of always all or nothing, right? Like, she's very against the rebellion. Until she's not. Until she's not. And then she's all in. Yeah. Like, let's go die. Right. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Guess well, the- I'll die. <laughs> The thing is, like, I don't think she's doing it for the rebellion. Like, she's just pissed off about everything. And, like, her dad died. And, like, she's she's not being like, let's work with the rebellion and steal this. She's like, oh, you guys are fuckers. I'm going to steal your ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yes. I, I have unfinished business. So it's I'm going to go finish that now. I think it's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's there there's not a whole lot of, like... For the greater good framing in her mind, like, because it doesn't really occur to her. It's like, as much as that, like, is basically, like, in Leia's DNA, it is so not in Jin's. Mm-hmm. I, I do think, though, that, like, they're kind of similar in that way. I just had a thought, and I am forgetting it right now. Um, But they're they're both kind of, like... Oh no! This is what this is the thing that needs to be done right now. I'm gonna go do that. Like Jin steals the ship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Leia like fucks off to all the planets and is like, I'll <laughs> yes. I'll put all these refugees on my shit and like claim them as uh what crew crew Mate? members yeah crew Staff. member people like yeah. fuck the rules like this is what needs to be done right now so I'm gonna do it like fuck yeah. what the rebellion says. They're very fuck the police kind of people. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and one of the things I just wanted to point out is that, uh, you know, whereas, uh, you know, Leia's, Leia obviously has war on the mind as soon as her parents do, um, and they're talking about it. But her herself rebellion, I, I think, is interesting. It's interesting because from like basically go in this book when she's on Wobani and she she finds that loophole where she can take those refugees that's what she does though like until like right up until she gets caught finally by the empire in a new hope that's how she's working this rebellion she's doing it the same way her dad is doing she's finding all these workarounds um so that they can't actually pin anything on um the organas but uh, it's 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 clear that they're doing things. So, you know, there's there's the thing that happens on Wabani and um, her, like, getting the better of Tarkin uh, when it comes to uh, the fleet that they're building at Pacus Major. Uh, you see it again in Rebels in Princess Lothal where she's just like, okay, so here's the plan. I need to get these ships to the Rebellion, but I need you to steal them so it looks like I'm not giving these ships to the Rebellion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And, like, yeah, I, I agree that they are, they're both kind of somewhat single-minded once they have a goal. Um, they're just, they're very, you they're know... They're brunettes? They're what brunette ladies? They're both... <laughs> 
white we are brunettes. all the same. It's a little known fact. Um, <laughs> no, it's interesting because uh, I'm not even, you know, who knows how intentional this is because male writers, but like, they're almost like, the, the degree of difficulty between them is like so slight and yet so deep. Like, it's like they have like a very like narrow but deep divide between them. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe shallow but wide. I don't know. But like, they're like shapes. similar shapes. They're like similar and yet different. And it like kind of shows the spectrum of like... You know, not every character is either a damsel in distress or Leia. Like, you have, there are grades. Like, there is, like, obviously Leia is Leia, but there's also the person who is just as devoted, but, like, doesn't know what to do. And then there's the Kira, who is just out for herself. Mm -hmm. And, like, it just, like, you know, we joke about the white brunettes, and it absolutely is a problem, but... Star Wars has done a decent job through the movies and the other media of showing different motivations and different reactions to mm-hmm. events Definitely. and like the the entire range of human emotion as opposed to just this is what a hashtag strong female character looks like. Right. And that's I mean, hats off to all the actresses who have portrayed all these amazing characters because like that shit was not necessarily written into the script. We know that for a fact. With Carrie Fisher and George Lucas in the original trilogy, uh, we know that Ron Howard made his own changes to Solo once he took over the project, and you know he, it he, we we talked about this on whatever the hell bonus episode it was when we talked about Solo, but I mean he intended apparently for um, Dryden Voss to be like a romantic rival, um, like for Kira's affections, like, versus Han. And, like, God bless Amelia Clark, because she played him, she she played her reaction to him, like he was a rapey motherfucker, because he was a rapey motherfucker, and that mm-hmm. was not in the script, so. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, speaking of queer, Chris, do you want to talk about privilege? Yeah, let's, because you really can't, you can't talk about this book without talking about privilege totally i mean i mean leia brings it up so many times yeah and like obviously and we talked about it last episode right how like Mm -hmm. leia comes from this privileged background and she doesn't really know how to relate to other people um but it's interesting because this book kind of brings up the paradox of privilege whereas and this does not don't read into real life in this but in a purely philosophical way, it like brings up the limits and paradox of privilege because the Organas use their privilege. Like they are fabulously rich. They have incredible galactic standing. You know, they're one of the, the, what, the elder houses. Um, they're famous. They're beloved. And they use all of that by participating in the rebellion. Like they use their money. They use their, like, you know, the freedom they have as celebrities, galactic celebrities, essentially. Like, Bale uses the fact that they can't really do anything to him to speak out more in the Senate and, like, negotiate things that other people can't negotiate. Um, and... They... No, go ahead. So they also... Uh, one of you touched on earlier, because of, like, his position in the Senate, they also are able to take the knowledge of, like, this is how we skirt the rules so nobody notices to mm-hmm. yeah. benefit the rebellion. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
and and their their sheer knowledge and their ability to game the system comes from privilege too it comes from their privileged upbringings and this is what they were taught to do it's been you know it's been handed down um and in turn they make the conscious decision to put alderaan at risk which again is privilege alderaan is a rich planet it is a beautiful planet it is a planet that has the resources and the space to take on refugees as we see with the wabani refugees like they are doing everything that we would want them to be doing in this situation right like we you know we talk about using your privilege in you know society in star wars like they're doing everything that we want them to be doing they are even though they're not white because alderaan is canonically a latinx a space latinx planet yes thank like, you dj older they God. are the like, privilege exactly like they are they are the analogy to white folks in our yes universe absolutely which by the way white specifically folks. rich white folks yes that is true but also every single white folks i'm looking at you oh yeah no <laughs> that's listen that's why i say don't read into real life in this it's just yeah like okay I'll, I'll let you finish like making an actual star wars point and then i'm gonna just yes be drunk and complain anyway about people <laughs> We see them use their privilege and we're proud of them and we're happy with them and it's a great idea and they're doing great things for themselves in the galaxy right up until it runs out. Yep. And it runs out in a spectacular way, as we all know. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. Spectacularly horrifying. Yeah. And like we have we have this moment in, if you think back to from a certain point of view uh, in the story Eclipse by Madeline Rue, oh, speaking of feelings terrorism. Um, where Bale, like, they kind of see the Death Star appear in the sky, and Brea's like, what the fuck is that? And Bale, like, sees it, and he's like, they wouldn't dare. Like, he knows, and he's like, they wouldn't dare. And then they both kind of realize, no, we box ourselves into this corner because we've made ourselves so privileged that now that they don't need us, they're showing that if they can deal with us, they can deal with anyone. Right, and, like, at that point, the Empire is not even a little bit hiding the fact that they are the worst. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, that is, like, obviously it ended terribly, but that is really a smart bet, I think, on their part. Because I they're aware of their privilege. Oh, yeah. And they're like, oh, we can, uh, you know, like Bella says, they wouldn't dare. Obviously they did. But, like, even though they all get super dead... Like, it still impacts, you know, the view of them throughout the galaxy. Because now everybody's like, well, fuck, they blew up Alderaan? Hell nah. Right? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and it's it's using their privilege and death, too, because they, right. Alderaan became this rallying cry. Right. And, like, and I, I hate the idea of, like, martyrs, because, like, people, like, people yeah. don't intend to become that, and, like, if they do, then there's, it's, like, it gets weird, like, yeah, and you bad. can, you can tell from Eclipse, they did not, dying was not part of their plan. They nope. always knew it was a possibility, oh, no. but it was not part of their plan. Especially not, I mean, they always thought, I, I feel like for them, it's like, they always knew that there was a pretty good chance that they could die. Yeah. They did not think that there was a pretty good chance that everybody else would also die. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we see... And, you know, like part of it is, frankly, just that they're working with incomplete information, right? Because, like, I feel like their thing is that, like, if the Empire did ever try to, like, invade Alderaan in a more traditional sense, 
they'd be able to like tie it up politically and get, garner support from across the galaxy, yada, yada, yada. Or like, even just like a fucking naval blockade or or like orbital bombardment. They yeah. never thought it was going to be this. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. they, they thought that if the Empire played by the rules as they understood them, that they could out, you know, they could use public opinion or use their resources and get out of it. They never counted on, you know, instantaneous explosion. Or, I was about to say, they never counted on weapons of fucking mass destruction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They did not know the Empire had new rules. Exactly. That's exactly it. And, I mean, like... Like, they... Alderaan, like, is intended to turn into this cautionary tale for the other citizens of the Empire. But it, you know... And for some of them, I guess it does. Like, it, it certainly frightens people, but it also just um strengthens the rebellion's position because it's just like we always knew that the empire is just fucking terrible and now y'all have proof what the fuck are you gonna do about it um so yeah like to your point chris about please don't take this as like a real life example sort of thing in terms of like the danger you can put yourself in by using your privilege i mean that's certainly true in a lot of places like it's true in you know, places like China where, like, you can get disappeared and stuff, but also, like, how can you... I just don't understand people who have this power and they sit in these places of power, whether it's, uh, like, literally, like, they're elected officials or, you know, important people in society or they just happen to be, you know, people who live in privileged bodies who are, like, everyday people. I don't know how you can own all of that and then also be aware that you own all that and still do nothing yeah like it drives me fucking bonkers and i say this as a person who like i'm a queer disabled woman of color but this body still holds a lot more privilege than say you know black or brown bodies or physically disabled bodies or you know whatever the fuck or trans bodies or whatever the fuck else like i can't like just sit down and let people suffer and i just don't understand like you have to be some kind of a bad person yeah <laughs> to be aware of all the shit and not say anything ever well like and that's like that's the organist thing right because they're it's almost like like it's almost like a cynical numbers game right because like if you think about it the big the big realization that they and particularly bail need to come to is that people are already dying. Like, it's not a question of if there is a rebellion, people will die. People are already dying. Right. And again, And when you like, get to that po- Sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, it's... it's, And I think they discuss this at some point in this book, and certainly it's discussed in other places in Star Wars. It's, you know, I think Mon Mothma herself thinks about it. It's it's one of those things where it's just like, if people are already dying, do we, do we start this war and do we let people die to prevent even more people from dying? Exactly. And like, and the thing with... You know, the Organas and Mon Mothma, like, your Alderons and your Chandrillas and your privileged planets, their, you know, their thinking is, we have the ability to get away with more because of the resources that we have at our disposal. Like, we can then prevent other people from being injured or killed. Like, we can prevent more harm by risking harm to ourselves, which is a smaller risk. And so it's like, you know, it almost, you know, we talked about with Kier, like, do the ends justify the means? Like, to, like, I feel like this discussion of privilege in the galaxy and in, you know, society, like, 
it's it is a question of like it's that like cynical numbers game and that utilitarianism like i have like i have a 10 percent chance of getting in trouble for something like if i uh, person x has a 90 percent chance of getting in trouble for something if i increase my odds of getting in trouble to 25 percent I, I can decrease theirs to like 40 percent or something like that like that's you know like thinking of like white people you know standing up to people harassing other people or to you know filming police or things like that right um like, I, yeah. I, I can't do math but yes yeah like <laughs> the numbers aren't important but aren't important but the point of like yeah it is a small risk to I'm myself for a potentially large benefit and, and of mean, course the problem with this specific case is that the small risk and in this case the infinitesimal risk of the empire rewriting the rules of warfare you know that one in a million coin landed on heads right totally yeah and i mean not to like toot your horn or anything chris but like you have kind of seen this in your real life because you know at your can i just talk shit about your old old job yeah just don't use names all right yeah there's a reason i'm not at my old job anymore right like what happened with chris's old job and the reason why he left is because they were they unionized and management was a bunch of dicks about it and you know Chris being like soft bread white man that he is like was just like at every turn just like I mean you were trying as much as you like had like energy and like mental energy and like space and whatever the fuck to just be like okay we're negotiating this contract and you're trying to give us a shitty contract but like it's going to affect you know the like disproportionately the people of color the women like the disabled people at this workplace with your shitty decisions then it's going to affect anyone who looks like me and like they retaliated against you they literally did like management did and so you kind of got this double-edged sword effect but i mean i don't think you regret anything you did no I mean, you know, I didn't die. I didn't get blown up by the death No, star. but you were forced out of a job where you had job security. Um, you know, we're probably going to move in a few months. Like, you would have had job security even though we moved, even if it was to a place where they didn't have an office for you to work out of or anything like that. You know, you were... Yeah, I gave... Uh, yes, I, I, I risked and, in hindsight, ended up sacrificing an incredibly promising career track. Like, you had job security, you had friends at your job, which is no small feat. Like, you know, your job had average benefits, like, pretty decent perks, like, things like that. And, like, you left because they made you, because you said things. So, I mean... This is nice. I like not shitting on Chris Pod. Let's do this more often. (laughs) You only get not shat on when you bake me things. And when you're a good and white use my boy, privilege. Yes. When you're a good <laughs> white boy and you deal with things so I don't have to deal with them or people of color don't have to deal with them or queer people or disabled people or what have you don't have to deal with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but like in all seriousness though, like these are things that happen in real life, but like, or rather and anal- things analogous to this hap- happen in real life. Plans don't get blown up in real life as least as far as we know. I don't well, know. Well, yeah. I, I was about to say, I don't know what the fuck happens to the galaxy. Space Force. I mean, the, the galaxy where that happens is, like, very far away, so. You're so. It's far, far away. Correct. And that this is, is so this right. is all a long time ago. Yep. 
Oh, well, I mean, true. it takes so long, you know, light speed and all that shit. Yep. So, etc. <laughs> um, but yes. Anyway, the point like the point is, is like I just don't I don't understand. I fundamentally don't understand people who just like sit around with their thumbs up their asses and just be like, I would rather not get involved. But you know, whatever. I mean, yeah. I understand it. It just frustrates me. I know. I, I, see that. I understand it. You just you should just like eat poop and die. Anyway, <laughs> yes, Miranda. Well, that that's why I think that the Organas made the smart bet. Yeah. Like, they they did... They died for it, but, like, they bet on the Empire not killing them. Yes. Because they had the privilege. They were able to do it. You know, maybe they thought that if they did it, they would die, but they certainly didn't think that everybody would fucking die. Exactly. Exactly. So they were just using their privilege to like do something that they genuinely thought would make the galaxy a better place right for everybody and also i mean they knew that the empire probably knew that there was a chance that like this could go either way like them getting assassinated or them getting their whole ass planet blown up like either alderaan would become a cautionary tale or become a rallying cry and thank god it was the second one yeah for so, sure. They did not do the smart bet on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. And then to kind of look at the other, yes, the, the look at the other side of this coin. Sorry, I was saying yes to Kate because she was pointing to the next point of the outline. I um, had some wine and I don't know if you can read anymore. Um, I can't read anymore. Because, <laughs> because we talked earlier <laughs> this episode about like Kier's line of thinking and about how like the Organas didn't agree with it. Ultimately, they did not. The, the Organas ultimately didn't agree with it, but they understood where he was coming from. And, like, what if they had followed that line of thinking and protected themselves, like, and protected Alderaan? Like, what if they had said, you know what? We have privilege, but our duty is to Alderaan. Like, and such that we can be of service to the galaxy by preserving Alderaan as this ray of hope? Like, we'll do that, but our duty is to Alderaan, as opposed to their duty being to the galaxy. Like, what... Like, what would have happened? Because, like, I think it's fair to say that, like, things would have ended up really differently. Right. I mean, I feel like... My feeling is that Alderaan would have ended up a puppet government like so many other places. And it would have basically been taken over by the Empire one way or another. And just... I don't know what the hell kind of resources they have that the Empire could exploit. Besides the fact that their planet's really shiny and shit. But... They would have found something because it's the fucking Empire. But the yeah. thing, too, like, if if the Empire had taken over and um, installed some kind of puppet government, like, how much of their privilege would the Organas have lost? In terms of... Presumably just, they would have lost their power, but, like... The power. Like, they'd still, they'd still have their charisma, but <laughs> <laughs> the Empire can take... Do they, do they have money? How does that work? Yes. Like, they they run the fucking planet. I don't... They seem rich, but... They are, they're, they're extremely rich. Yes. And that's, yeah, that's so... a part of this. Like, they, they wouldn't have presumably given all that money to the rebellion. Yeah, definitely. It would have been a lot harder to build up there the have... rebel fleets. I was about to say, there would not have been a fleet. Uh, Mon Mothma would not have had... Would have been short a lot of influence and, like, partners and shit in the government. Because apparently her... Fellow senator from Chandrilla is a motherfucking asshole. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, she and Bale were basically 
you know, they of course they became faces of the, of the rebellion, but they were faces of the resistance in the Senate, and you know, the the, the rebellion would have been that much weaker for it. And I would argue, Alderaan still would have ended up destroyed. Ooh, explain. In, in in one way or another, I I agree with that. Because, like, blown up, destroyed, yes. or oh shit, okay. Because and and this is all this is all very much with the benefit of hindsight, obviously, and of knowing what happens. Are you but thinking of some like Operation Cinder kind of bullshit, or no, 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 no. I think because we know, independent of all this the Empire is still working on the Death Star. Like, that is a thing that is happening independent of the Rebellion. We also know that... I think it's not realistic to think that Alderaan and the Organas wouldn't have at least still tried to be very positive and as anti-Empire as they could be publicly. Like, I think that is a stretch too far for to think that, like, Bail Organa's entire career of trying to moderate Palpatine would have gone away right so like i think we can take that as fact i find it very hard to believe that at the point when palpatine dissolves the imperial senate and the death star is completed that he would have just been like yeah let's not bygones be bygones like you know (laughs) he you know he would have been destroying them for lesser offenses but i don't think that would have stopped him and tarkin in the slightest i mean at the point where you're Building a super weapon to blow up entire planets. Like, why not just blow up entire planets with abandon? Exactly. Like, maybe they wouldn't have been first. Like, maybe they wouldn't have been, like, a priority one target. But I absolutely think it would have happened. I think also, even if, you know, he didn't kind of take the approach of blowing up the whole planet for funsies. (laughs) Like, he definitely would have destroyed the planet in the way that we've seen it the Empire destroy a lot of other planets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Even in this book, when they're like, oh, we're going to put the Academy on this planet that, I I forget its details, but it it was, like, not an insignificant thing. Right. Um, You know, he would have found some way to, like, massacre the population, enslave them, uh, destroy the planet's resources... Uh, exploit it so that Vader could come in and, like, blow up the mine and the whole planet. Um... <laughs> Vader, demolitions expert. <laughs> like, they, they, he, the Empire would have found some way to fuck everything up. Even if, like, there was still a shell of a planet floating out there in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right about that. I mean, just, I mean, the Empire does things because they can. So, yeah, and that's all the reason they need. So, So, like, and again, this is not to say that, like, Kier was wrong, necessarily. Like, I think that's a different discussion because he's not working with this information. But, like... He's also a small child. Like... (laughs) But, yes. Yeah, he's... He's a teenage boy. I think think it's also, sidebar, unrealistic, like, childlike unrealism for him to think that he could ever turn in the... Alderanian elements of the rebellion without Alderaan itself coming under scrutiny. Right. Um, I mean, but that's that's you know that's a different discussion. I mean, that's that's a that's a thing. Your that's a thing. His brain clearly did because the alternative was just yeah too like beyond comprehension. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's yeah. That's that's a whole separate thing. Um. But yeah. like I think it's you know, he wasn't working with full information just like the Organas weren't working with full information. But with the benefit of hindsight, 
I think it's fair to say that I don't, I think any of us think that, Al- that Alderaan's fate would have been substantively different. You know, I've never yeah. thought about it, but yeah. I mean, also with Kira, just to go back to something we discussed in the last episode, mm-hmm. um, and obviously just now, he's like 16, 17. Yeah. Um, his brain just doesn't function like that yet. Exactly. Yeah. Like, this is... I think even if he wants to, you know, tell himself that, like, he's doing this for Alderaan and, like, through that, through, or for, like, the betterment of the galaxy, like, he can't, especially because he doesn't have that information, he can't really see any potential consequences of his actions. Definitely. Yeah, totally agree. It's very much like, this is the only thing in the world yeah the galaxy but yes like there is nothing else this is it i'm gonna fix it yep definitely and i mean we see i mean we see that all the time in ya right like that's kind of like fixation and usually it's for the good but in this case i think it's really interesting what claudia gray does where it's like this is not actually helpful Mm -hmm. (laughs) but to claudia gray's credit an incredibly accurate depiction of how teenagers think. Mm-hmm. Like Definitely. fantastic writing. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. No question. Yes. All right. So see, see. Now, now y'all understand why I was like her thesis is on morality and like the morality of joy and resistance and privilege because that was a lot. That was. Much. I never questioned that. <laughs> not, not y'all is in you two. Y'all is in our listeners. Fuck you, Chris. Our listeners oh, question you, us. You should regularly. have specified that. Yeah, Chris. <laughs> You're not the one who just had a lot of wine. I'm about yeah, two-thirds the way though. through my large tequila. Yeah, Drink but faster. keep in mind my tolerance versus Chris's tolerance, which are two very different mm. things. <laughs> anyway, we had a couple other small points. <clears throat> yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit about Mon Mothma as a mentor for Leia because, um, you know, we know... Um, later on in their lives as Leia gets older and becomes a really prominent person in the Rebellion, that they're, they have a more collegial relationship. They're more like equals. You know, they're both serving in the Senate. Um, Mon Mothman is not physically present in Bloodline, but, you know, it's, it's, it's clear that, you know, as they, as Leia grows into adulthood, they become actual friends. But in this book, where Leia's so young, Mon Mothma's more of a mentor and a model for her. It's She's someone outside of her family um, who's, you know, agrees with Leia's point of view, like, is doing good, and she's just kind of, like, an actual, another real-life example, because all Leia really has for the first 16 years of her life is her family, as she says. And she's also, because, and I think, I think it's because she's, not one of Leia's parents, and while she's known Leia since she was a little girl, like, she didn't raise her, I think it makes it easier for Mon Mothma to be like, this, you know, she's 16, she's about to actually um, become invested with um, inheriting the throne. It's time to actually, like, start training her like an adult because she's about to become one. And she's the first person who really trusts Leia's abilities and intellect and dedication to the causes. It's, I mean, it's, I'm sympathetic to why, to her parents wanting to protect her because they're her fucking parents after all, but also, like, Mon Mothma's like, 
no, 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 this girl is capable and we could use her. And kind of is the one to bring Leia in and convince Brea that, no, she's ready for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's why Leia feels more comfortable kind of being open about what she's doing with Mon Mothma. Because she's like, oh, she's treating me like a person and not like a small child. Mm-hmm. And also, Absolutely. she's not my mom, so, like... Yes! You know, n- not to just harp on the fucking teenager thing forever, but, like... <laughs> but it's true! When when you're a teen, you know, your parents... I mean, obviously, Leia's very close with hers, but... But even regardless of that, no matter what kind of relationship you have with your parents, you're just like, oh, my parents, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, here's this woman who is really cool and, like, also influential. Mm-hmm. Um... She's involved in this, too. Like, she understands the stakes. Mm-hmm. And she understands them to the point that she's willing to, like, be more open with me about it and to let me be more involved. Absolutely. And that's what Leia really wants. She wants to get involved in the rebellion. And her parents are like, no, you can't do this. But Mon Mothma was like, well, you're already fucking here. So, like, let's do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's... It's interesting. And I want... I hope we get more... Mon Mothma and Leia working together in the New Republic because we've already seen when they're adults or, you know, Leia, Leia never gets to be a child, but when, when, like, during and after the rebellion, once the Organas are gone and Leia doesn't actually have parents anymore, their relationship kind of changes because Mon Mothma gets a little more protective of Leia. Mon Mothma also as the sole kind of leader of the Alliance and then the New Republic moderates a little bit. And Leia, meanwhile, never really grows out of the fact that she doesn't take orders well. Mm-hmm. And we see that coming to a head, particularly in Life Debt is the big one, where, like, she is furious at Mon Mothma. Leia, excuse me, is furious at Mon Mothma for, A, not liberating the Wookiees in the first place, and B, not sending one af- anyone after Han, such that she basically forces Akbar and Wedge to come get her because she's like, I'm gonna go take on a fleet myself. You can come if you want. Mm-hmm. And gee, I wonder which biological parents she got that shit from. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that move. specifically is also maybe a testament to not immaturity because, like, obviously, like you just said, Chris, Leia never gets to be young. But, I mean, by that point, she's in her early 20s mm-hmm. early to mid 20s yeah like she's only been part of this fight for you know five to ten years maybe and mon mothma's been in this shit forever mm-hmm. yeah she's like she's seen kind of how decisions have played themselves out of like through the rebellion and like you know she's seen what being rash can do she's seen what you know betting on your own privilege can do and she's i think trying to make the best decisions or at least what she thinks are the best decisions um you know for like the fledging fledgling republic Mm -hmm. and i think in a a certain way leia is still a little more fuck the police yeah i mean like this this is this is it this is what i'm doing right now um she's a little more Not single-minded, but... Her youth definitely shows. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 
She has a youthful idealism that Mon Mothma has shed. Yes. Yes. Definitely. And I mean, by the time Bloodline rolls around, like, Mom is tired, but also her going after Rinriven dies, she was just like, can I go, can I, like, she's gonna ask a little bit of permission this time, but she's like, can I go run around and kill people again? Because that was yeah. fun. <laughs> like, she, she's just Leia. <laughs> yeah. And, and it reinvigorates her, and, you know, and then we have the resistance. Thank God. Yep. But yeah, so it's just interesting to see their relationship. And speaking of relationships, let's talk about Haldo. Ah, uh, Haldo. So... Yay. Uh, I have so many feelings about Haldo, guys. Go! Um, so, I mean, we saw The Last Jedi, right? And we didn't get too much of it uh, because Leia was, like, asleep for half of yes. the time they were um, on the ship and transports and everything because mm-hmm. she got blown into space by her own son. Yep. Um, Fonzies. Or, no, by by his, uh, not not by her own son, by his little fuckers. Correct. Um, <laughs> but, like, what we Tyler's did see was... Tyler's little fuckers, great band name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Um, you know, like, whichever one of you said earlier, oh, you know... He's a troublemaker. I like him. And she's like, yeah, me too. Like, they they clearly have seen some shit together. um, And, you know, they trust each other so much. And when they do their equivalent of goodbye, it's like, you can tell there's something there. And then this book gave it to us. Mm -hmm. And it was better than anything I could have ever asked for. Um. Because, like, Holdo is the most fucking Holdo. She's like, look at the stars. What's your star sign? Look at the pretty colors, you know. <laughs> yes. But so we, we see them both as kids, but then we see them. I mean, we, we don't see Holdo operate too much in terms of the resistance, except for her final acts, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we see her just kind of get brought into the original rebellion Mm -hmm. and like we see kind of how they started to get so close totally you know they they jump on the ship together and leia's like oh so here's the thing um there's a rebellion against the empire you're part of it now (laughs) yes um you know we see haldo put her you know, what we all thought was useless astrology to good use. Thank God. By, like, chatting up that fucking, like, imperial guard or whatever. Like, what's your star sign? Did, did you, were you, are you this? I think you're this. Those did you know that if the, if the stars do this? And that guy's like, what the fuck? But, like, we, we can see that Haldo is as weird as she is. Like, as gloriously fucking weird as she is. She always knows what she's doing. Yes. It may not seem like that to anybody else. And so I think when Leia sees her do that, she's like, oh, there, there is some sort of reason to this. Oh, yeah. Like those moments where she's just like, wait, I'm beginning to understand like all the weird crap she's saying. Yeah. Like she speaks in weird metaphors that nobody understands. But it makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like for no fucking reason. And yeah. even thinking about the skyfaring, like to take that this metaphor even further, like it looks 
effortless and breezy and airy and like you're just you're falling through the sky and dancing but like every single muscle is working in coordination it's and there's there's an intentionality mm-hmm. to it it's that is holdo yeah absolutely, absolutely. yes mm-hmm. and yeah. just like you see sorry if anybody can uh, Miranda, I don't know. If yeah, you what can the hear fuck it. is there's, happening? Sorry, there's a car alarm, a car alarm going, going on in the background. Right Apologies to everybody. Sorry. <laughs> this is gonna give Kristen an aneurysm when she edits this. Holy <laughs> bleep it. Um, but like, we see their relationship too, and like you know, you wonder how they get so close because you know you see in the Last Jedi that it's not just like professional respect. You know, they grew up in the rebellion together. No, they're there's ride a or personal die. friendship. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And like, and when Leia is like, I can't lose it. I can't lose anymore or i don't remember the exact words i can't lose anyone else and holdo is just like you taught me how let me die yeah just like it's let me uh, die for christ's sake fuck you claudia gray i could not be with you always i know like fuck (laughs) just like holdo being like no you were the one who taught me that there is a wider galaxy outside of my joy. And you taught me how to deal with loss. And this galaxy needs you. Yeah, and I mean, like, they're, like, they, like, Holdo was the one who was with her when she experienced her first major loss. And she, it's not the end of them, unfortunately for Leia, because Leia must be put through all the suffering ever, apparently. But, you know, that means something for obvious reasons. Um, just, I, 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 I too have, have many, 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 many feelings about this. I'm, I'm really glad for the amount of Holdo we get in the second half of, yeah in the second half of the book. Um, and also, you know, Chris, you were saying, I was like wondering what, you know, where the direct line was between like her, who she is as a character when she's 16-ish and who she is in The Last Jedi. And you can absolutely see it here. Like, you can see that, like really steely determination like i'm not going to be put off from what i want to do and mm-hmm. i know what i want and you know i i know who my friends are and like she's like i'm serious like they are ride or die and also thank god give leia more female friendships for the love of christ just saying <laughs> yep also i even more now want the battle of chiron belt because you know she did some batshit crazy shit in order to win that battle and i want to know what it was yeah god oh we need that we need we need we need more this we we deserve more more Mm -hmm. listen whether it's in the resistance era pre-tlj or if it's in the rebellion era or if it's in the new republic era like i don't don't care care. i don't care what about all of it yes actually but like a lot of all of it Mm because y'all know i am a huge holdo stan like the second half of this book is one of my favorite things that I've read. Yeah. Like, in the Star Wars canon. Yeah. Um, if only just for that. And, like, I I haven't rewatched The Last Jedi since reading this, but now I'm afraid to. Oh, I'm gonna it's, cry. Oh, it's, it's, it's awful. It's stop. awful. It rips your heart right out. I'm going to cry so bad. And, like... Jeez, Laura Dern is an incredible, also, yeah. incredible actress. Holy shit. Yeah, honestly, that performance it ages like a fine wine for me. Every time I watch it, it's better. Mm-hmm. Bless her. Which I know not everybody loved it. 
but that's a different discussion. But you're I, to your I opinion. Like I just it. hate it. I personally, I yeah. personally have your own need opinion, more but know that you're life. missing out because Jesus. <laughs> um, and then I, and I mean, uh, the last thing I want to mention about Haldo is, of course, this book put on the map the fact that Haldo is Pan, and people were very annoyed for for what I hope are obvious reasons that. You know, we have these characters who are established as queer. It's Haldo, it's Lando, it's like a bunch of other folks, and they won't put it on the screen because Star Wars is a family franchise and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, can you please just like, I don't know, go just go choke on literally anything. Like, I hate, I hate, where's my on-screen representation? Like the only, I feel like the only on-screen representation of Quirios that we've gotten is fucking, fucking Flix and Orca in Resistance, which is great! But also not even explicit. Oh, I didn't even see that, so I didn't know that such a thing existed. Oh, yeah, there are these two, like... It- it's basically like if the car talk guys were gay instead of brothers. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honest to God, wow. that's what it is. Wait, wait, I love car talk, don't get me wrong. But like... Oh my fucking God. No, I mean, it wasn't explicit. I don't, like, I think it's explicit enough for grown-ups. Like, if you have your head out of your ass. I think, like, I was actually really, really happy with it. But I feel like it's, like, because Flix and Orca, like, um, you know, one of them's a Trotrophon. I don't know what the other one kind of alien is. Yeah, I don't know that we have any other examples of them. He's an owl. Yeah. With but the fucking stuff. thing is, like, for for Haldo and for Lando, like, them being queer, yeah, it, like, makes so much sense as part of their character. If we just want to boil it down to that, like... Yes! Yeah, they're, that, that, that makes sense. This is who they are. Like, it's totally in line with everything else we know about them. Not to say that, obviously, you know... You can tell people are queer, whatever, bullshit. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, no, it just, that's it. Yeah. They're fucking queer. We know they are. Yeah. It's not hard. No. To I put mean, that. Literally. Yeah. On screen. It, it's the yeah, easiest it, thing in the world. It literally is like, all you have to do, like, and we talked about this also when we talked about Solo, like, it was like. Literally, like, the tiniest things that you could do to just put that on screen, and you didn't do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would have cost you five fucking cents in your giant, massive, ridiculous fucking Lucasfilm slash Disney budget to stick that in there, and you decided not to, and then later on to be cute about it? No! Yeah, and I mean, and it's... I'm sorry. Did J.K. Rowling write the Star Wars movies? Oh Yo! Yeah. Oh my god. Where's Kristen to make some fucking air horns Different. right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Like. Oh my god. That's the pod. Goodbye, everyone. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I know. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I'm like a white person, so I don't. It's very easy for me to see myself represented, like, on that level. And you're a brunette. I am a brunette, which is even better. 
Uh, even better for Star Wars, totally. But, but all, like, all I fucking want, all I want is just to see queer people, queer beings in Star Wars. Yes. It's a giant fucking galaxy. You keep making up new shit, like... I know, and it's like, it's all over the books, and it's like a thing, like, it's it's all over the books because they are things that are stated as fact, they are not analyzed, it's not like, look at all the fucking queer people, they're so fucking weird. No, like, it's integrated well, and it's Like, they slipped Ahsoka being queer into that shit. Right? Like, come on. It was super easy. Honestly, like, this this book shows how easy it is, because, like, looking at the development of this book... The character of Holdo already existed when this book was written. We didn't know about her, but she existed. And she was, you know, her romantic life was a blank slate. And Claudia Gray made the decision to do this, and it took two lines of dialogue. Exactly. Like, that's all it takes, literally. Like, it didn't take, you know, Holdo being caught in bed with... A woman or like a squiddy alien or something or, like, like yeah, no, not like, family friendly i know it was not like gross prurient stuff like yeah. it wasn't like glorified like tentacle porn or anything yeah like, like that. it was yeah it was literally a single line of dialogue gives all this validation and being seen right to you know so much of the fandom and the world at large that doesn't have that in star wars and like and all it is is a conscious decision to take that tiny effort. And that's something that that's something that the Kasdans did not do. Yeah, because that's John Kasdan's gross. That's something that I love him, but that's something that Ryan Johnson didn't do. Mm-hmm. And And it's like and we have so, seen, well, yeah, we'll see if JJ does it in episode nine. I don't right. have high hopes. I, I know. And it's something I know. Like <laughs> do what I dare you. Um you won't, but like it's it's so fu- and we've seen in the books how easy it is. Like Claudia Gray wrote Bloodline. Like Joff Sea Striker is one of the characters, and this is not even a little bit of a spoiler. Like he has two moms. It is mentioned like a few times. Like oh yeah, that's right. I yeah, forgot. like they're super proud of him. Like you know, Wait, he has like, two moms. He has, or, yeah, did I miss that? I guess you did. I just I just reread that like two months ago. I that's my bad. <laughs> It's like when he's introduced or something like that, uh, like I mean, the first point of view chapter. Like it when, was like <clears throat> when when you put it in that smoothly, it's just it's it's, it's a fact. not even a thing. It's, it's not just a thing. background information that is normal, right? Because yeah. it is normal, exactly. Like and, yeah, with with Joff too. Like there's a scene in Bloodline where they're all dicking around and shooting the shit in like the plane place. Um, yes, all the pilots are <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so the pilots are like, oh, this one guy's got a new bay. But they're like, huh, you found some whatever alien dude. And they're like, just giving him the shit. Like, we would all shit on our friends for talking to somebody on Tinder. Totally. Like, super normal. She, Claudia Gray just slipped it in and right. nobody batted an eye. Mm-hmm. Nope. Absolutely. And it's like, it's easy to do. And, like, you don't even have to, like, it doesn't even have to be a thing. Because you know what? It's not a fucking thing. It shouldn't be a fucking thing. Because it's super normal. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's not that hard. And also, like, Claudia Gray. Ha- like, white people don't get cookies for being good people. Because they should just be. But also have a cookie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we talked last episode about how we feel about Claudia Gray and her 
moral quality, shall we say. Like, she's her, she's great. her consistent representation in her books, the way she handled the controversy around this book. Uh, well, let's, we'll end it on that note. We're big Claudia Gray stands here. Fuck yes. Yeah. Anyway, that, we are very long. Kristen's going to kill us. <laughs> Claudia, uh, wait, Claudia Gray is A-OK. <laughs> Oh my fucking god. Kristen, cut that out. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, thank you for listening to episode 78 of the Book Wars Pod. Next episode, we are going to be wrapping up Leia, Prince of Alderaan by Claudia Gray. And then our next book, Danny, eat your heart out, start celebrating, because our next book is going to be Aftermath, Empire's End by Chuck Wendig. Poor Danny. In the meantime... Hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr at BookWarsPod, BookWarsPod at gmail.com if you want to email us, and rate, review, and subscribe to us and the Tashi Station Radio mega feed. Last week, at Danlin Voss won a paperback copy of Thrawn by Timothy Zahn. You could win stuff too, ranging from buttons and stickers to books. We have more to give away, and you are automatically entered to win any number of things when you leave us a review on iTunes. Also, if you uh, have the means and are so inclined, donate to the Tashi Station Radio Patreon and give us coffee at ko-fi.com slash bookwarspod. It really helps us cover our hosting and production costs. And if you saw our Instagram earlier this week, you saw that we have some sweet buttons that we're going to be giving out at Star Wars Celebration. Helps us cover the rest of the cost of those as well. Um... And we'll post more Porkchop pictures, because Porkchop is the new official hamster of the pod. And he's precious. Yes. <laughs> our theme song is Whiz Bang by Poddington Bear. Our logo and artwork are by Joe Buter Design. For Kate and Miranda, I'm Chris. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Book Wars Pod, and we'll talk to you next week. Wait, am I talking now? If you have something to say, yeah. No.